it's a combination of feeling the room, listening to what you know what's gone before you, um, seeing how the crowd are going. So the skill is um, the skill is playing the the tracks that you want to play and that you think are great to a crowd in a way that makes them understand it's great as well. I remember we did a company half marathon, I think, within the first month or two. So it was very much like, right, got two months to train for a half marathon. And you're seeing all these people and you're just, you're sort of picturing them and imagining them thinking, is that a sore customer? You're like, yep, that could be a sore customer. And you're sort of really seeing the people who are basically going to be running in your kit. It's been something that we've taken time to really think about. We've lived and, and breathed running and we've thought about the challenges. Um, and we know this is the best solution. And I don't think other people are offering the best solution. They're offering a solution. And I think it's also imperative that, or it is imperative that I am a runner if I'm gonna design running apparel. I can't profess to design great running product if I don't know how said product should perform. It's exciting because there is a purpose behind it. We are making a running apparel and we know that they're really, really good. You put it on and it feels like something that you should run fast in. The runner's high, in inverted commas, which is definitely a thing, you know, we all know what the runner's high is. Well, that high is multiplied by 10 at the end of the race. And halfway through, you might think, why the hell am I doing this? And at the end, you're going to go, get me back to the start line straight away. OK, well, here we go. Five, four, How are you, matey? I'm good, I'm good. Good. Come on in. I was just going to make a cup of tea. Oh. So if you just want to just clip it to your on lapel on your jumper. So is that high enough up? Yeah, do you want to Yep. Uh, can you hear me? I had muesli, croissant, and a lot of coffee for breakfast. A lot of coffee. Test, test, test. Yeah, that's great. Great. Right. I'm Tim Saw and I'm the CEO of the business and creative director. What I was dissatisfied about was that I wasn't making it. <laughs> to put it simply, I was dissatisfied about the fact I wasn't doing it. Um, I, I had, I guess, as any sort of creative person, you, you know, you want to, you want to make your mark, and I wanted to make my mark within a sport that I loved. I thought it was just going to be about doing it a little bit better and making it look a bit better and that stuff with no idea about actually what the brand is and the brand is a, a pure high-tech product brand which is something quite different to what I initially imagined it so you know the reasons were purely selfish for wanting to do it originally I wanted to do it because I wanted to do it <laughs> so my name is James Ballard and I am COO at Saw Running I think it was the the opportunity to be first in and be able to actually see something from pre-revenue basically um, so we started trading about three months after I joined and there was this huge anticipation of what's going to happen and my full name is Robert Wilson um, and my job title is uh, head of marketing I'd come across and been introduced to the brand via the, the club athletics world the club running world so saw from its very early days um, were involved in supporting and marketing with and integrating with and being a part of that world um, which I was a part of myself. Um, in fact, I can remember when I first met Tim, he probably can't remember, he was at um, an after party for the Met League cross country in what would have been 
February 2016, I think, at a pub at the bottom of Muswell Hill near Alexandra Palace. So this was quite a nice sort of gastro pub and it was full up with um, runners speckled with mud, wet, muddy, um, warming up over a few pints. Um, and I'm pretty sure, if memory serves me right, that you could you could hand your race number in and maybe get a, th- uh, get a free pint or, or get some money off a pint or something like that. And I'm pretty sure it was that was bankrolled by Saw. Um, and I met Tim and James there. Um, they had a rail with the early launches, the early collection. We're talking with runners through it. Um, so I first came across Saw as a punter. Um, um, I don't think many runners at the time were particularly conscious uh, standalone running apparel brands as a thing. That kind of made people, and certainly me myself, um, stand up and take notice. It was like, well, here's something that's speaking to me um, on my terms um, about my world and my culture and, and my my kind of um, my passion. Uh, I think an intrinsic part of the sort of DNA is that the product is developed first from a technical and functional perspective, and then the aesthetic design is is then undertaken. So my name is Rob Boyd. Um, I'm a designer here at Saw, I'm working closely under Tim Saw, creative director. At Saw, everything starts with a run, really. Depending on what you're running in, you're analysing your run and the garment you're running in, its performance, the way it feels, the way it hangs off your frame, all of which then lead into questions, how can I improve this product? So um, today, I've got a prototype to test. Can't can't give you the precise details. So this is going to be the first uh, first time in first time it's going to be used in anger. So this is in in progress testing. So I th- for for a product like this, there's there's two levels of scienceiness, if you like, and one level of scienceiness is lab testing. But there's also user experience. You know, if it, if it's proved to have that effect, but you put it on, it feels shit then it doesn't matter what the effect is because psychologically you're, you're not going to feel good when you're running in it. So what we have to do, what I have to do now is to find out how this feels in, in those conditions. Mm. Um, so that, that user experience, the kind of the haptics, if you like, of a, of a garment are as important as the higher science bit. And if both of those things align, uh, then it's great. My name is Ozzy Saltishak. I'm a head of production. One of the things, obviously, so the development stage of the product takes the time, which is the right investment in the product development. I get, I do get a bit protective about the products. I just, like, you know, as you said, I want to be proud of that. I've done it, and I know inside out of that product what went into it and how much work went into it. And, and then I'm happy with the final and then hoping the customer's going to love it as well. There's an immense amount of technical tailoring that goes into the, these products, um, and I and I think that stems from Tim's initial fashion background, um, where he was doing contemporary menswear. So he knows how a garment should fall on the frame. For me, there are a few really key parts of a garment that have to work, and if they work, by and large, the the garment works. So on tops, it's predominantly for me about the armhole. So if it's a long sleeve top or a short sleeve top, any top that has sleeves, if you get the armhole fit correct, the rest of the garment will follow on shorts it's all about the front hem because your legs going forwards and up when you're running so so the front hem balance is really crucial well front hem and line are obviously in shorts that's another really really important area because it's so you know if you get it a bit wrong it's so uncomfortable it's cut perfectly for the running stance so you'll see it on a hanger and you'll notice the shaping in the sleeving and the back paneling when you're wearing it and you are in your running stance it's unnoticeable. 
I have a love of fabrics that comes from menswear, and but particularly fabric is the you know it's the engine room of any sports garment. If the fabric's wrong, the garment's never going to work. Yeah, I mean one of the mills that we use a lot, the French mill, their background is silk, um, and so their the, the quality of their fabric is a lot of it's born from the fact they were silk weavers, so they they used to we weaving a very high quality fabric. Mm. And that, I mean, it drapes really well, not does it just, not only does it just perform, but it also drapes really well and the, the hand feel of it's really nice. Um, so yeah, all of those things are important. You know, it's like the kind of tactile experience of vinyl. There's a tactile experience when you unbox your, your running kit. If it feels fantastic, then that gives you a little bit of an extra, you know, and the same way to listen to your kind of boost track before your race. All of that stuff, I think, is really important in the mix. Things things need to, if possible, feel beautiful and be lovely to wear and perform really well for their intended purposes. And if you do, tick all of those boxes, then the customer experience is really good. With our new Ultra Jacket 2.0, Tim worked out a way to develop a fabric, a waterproof fabric with no membrane, but that with, with a high DWR rating. And he, he did so uh, by plasma etching the DWR. Plasma etching is, is, is a way to embed the, the DWR into the fabric as opposed to just giving the fabric your average DWR wash. You're, you're building it into the fiber which makes the DWR last longer but it also removes the initial need for a membrane. So the fabric's more breathable yet it's more waterproof. I think that was a bit of a breakthrough there. Um, I haven't seen any other companies do anything like that, so. All uh, fabrics that are unique to saw, they're, they're all patented designs. So a customer buying a saw won't be able to find that fabric in any other product on the market in running apparel? No. And I think that level of detail, you can only acquire by really trial and testing these garments. So, yeah, back to the run. Running to all of us means a lot of different things, um, and we all run you know, different distances, different speeds. And, you know, I think everyone has a lot of respect for each other's different runs. When I first joined, everyone runs, I mean, I'm like talking about running. Just a, maybe this is, this is a sign. I've been always postponing running. One day I went for a run just before work. So I really enjoyed that run and a couple of days later, I went for a kind of a long run for me, I guess. Did about five and a half kilometers. The most important thing was like, I was absolutely buzzing with excitement and I was like, all right, I think this is it then. I've been running for about just over two years now. Basically when Tim gave me the job, he just said, start running. Joined a running group, a bunch of like-minded creative people running ever since. It began out of a need and a desire to get fit in my 40s, I guess. And it's built and built and built and it's built a lot recently. Like a lot of people, when you're a kind of a late adopter of sport, you become a, you know, kind of evangelist. Um, for me, it's still a new thing. So I run six days a week after working. It's the, the thing I do most of all, you know, after, after my nine to five job. Is it um, a big thing when you can't run? Yeah, hell yeah. It was a marathon and it was a bit of a it was a bit of a disaster. I was the guy coming from the running company, everyone's like, yeah, he's gonna do a good time. It's going quite well until sort of mile 20, 21. I felt my legs going, I was like, oh, Christ, I'm in a bit of trouble here. I'm more suited for shorter distances. That's the party line anyway. 
running was this really quick accessible thing and it gave me this huge sense of um, sense of well-being these huge endorphins and of course when you start running when you begin the improvement curve is so steep none of my peer group or my friends really ran or were aware of running as a thing so it also felt as if I kind of had this this secret this secret world that was just mine the buzz around running within this company just makes you want to run more whether you run 3k or you run 10k or you run 20 you're always a, a better person after you've done so right Are there? Yeah, you gonna zip it up? Can yeah, do. Please, yeah, that'd be good. All right, I'll see you tomorrow. Let's go to the square. It's nice. Do you know Hoxton Square? The day you run your PV, nobody, nobody can ever be. 100% certain that they're going to run faster than they ever have done before because they've got no evidence about it. They can't prove it. You have to just go out and do it and take the risk and put yourself in a slightly uncomfortable position. And it's the same thing with building a brand. I think it's really led by Tim. And I think what's been great about Tim is that he has fewer preconceptions about running and runners and what running could and should be and what running clothing could be. And I think that comes from being a creative and having that inquisitive um, mindset and, and having worked with great people who have, who have done things differently. Tim's given us confidence to stick with things and try things and make them happen. You know, it, it would be easy to, to go away and create a running brand or a business or products around what you think people should like or what an outsider would think running should be like but I think you have to be kind of living and breathing it and going much more on your gut and your instincts. And I think that's what's, what Tim's done. And I think it's what's been really great. And I think something that Tim's, Tim's definitely led the way on, and I think looking back has been a real strength for the business is when something is obvious to everyone, it's far too late. The moment's passed where everything's obvious. It's about making the decisions back before it is obvious. When people have got those seeds of doubt, because if people aren't doubting you, I don't think you're pushing boundaries anywhere near enough. And you have to learn to trust your judgment. And that takes a long time to really learn to trust your judgment and just go, okay, I'm confident enough in my judgment on this that I'm gonna invest X tens of thousands of pounds into getting it produced and putting it out into the market. That applies at a, at a kind of micro level with you know, an individual product or a feature in the product and a macro level in your brand. And if you don't have that confidence, if you don't understand, really understand what your brand's about and have confidence in that, then you become a copyist in the, in the bad sense that you start looking at what everyone else is doing because you're not confident in what you're doing and you'll try and have a bit of that and a bit of this and a bit of the other and then you have no personality. So yeah, that trusting your, your judgment, that's a key part of becoming a mature creative. It's true of running a business. I think it's true of running, any, it's true of anything. The culture of the brand that I find most endearing is that everybody has the opportunity to influence every single thing. Should we go downstairs? I want to get a few more samples from your record collection. Great, okay, excellent. I got stuck in an enormous hole working with a client who was an absolute nightmare and I was just getting nowhere with it. And so I had to ask a DJ I didn't really know to come in and help me. And he went, oh, just put on stuff like this. And this was the first track he played and I was just completely gobsmacked. Carry 
Sora's got my, my name above the door, but Sora isn't me. You know, what Rob Wilson and James Ballard and Rob Boyd and Ozzy have to say about the brand, that's just as important as what I have to say about the brand. They're, they're part of the team and you have to let those people in so they can flower and bring out their own creativity and skills and, and skill sets and all of that stuff. Learning that was, was an absolute you know, it was a bit like listening to this track the first time. It was like a, oh, of course, why didn't I, why didn't I think of that? Why don't I know that? Why, why isn't it obvious that's the way you have to do it? So I think the, the, the sort of validation happens when you, you send the product out into the big wide world when it goes on sale. When I see our, and I hear our customers using our products and loving them, that's fantastic, you know, and that's, that's the ultimate accolade as far as I'm concerned if people are putting their you know spending the hard-earned money to buy something and it's really working for them that's great can you hear me yeah can you hear me my name is Mohammed Hashi I'm a middle distance runner my name's Emmy Collinge and I'm a mountain runner and road runner and I work in the sports industry as a photographer and translator my name is Lee Goldup and I'm the men's ready-to-wear buyer at Brands, which means I buy clothing, essentially. I'm Matt Horrocks. I work for a media company called Courier. And that's Sir James Dyson. The first thing I noticed was that it was running clothes that were designed by runners for runners. I haven't felt that when I've worn running gear from other manufacturers. They just seem to naturally work, the, the fitting and the practicality of them. Whereas other running clothes, they're just running clothes and the people who designed them hadn't really thought how they were going to, seriously, how they were going to be used. I've had the pleasure of knowing Saw since it was a really small brand. And I think what's always struck me is that they're doing things differently. Everything that's coming out of the company is, is not your usual running running wear and that's what's so exciting from my own work and my own experience racing at the highest level and working in the sports industry you really learn to appreciate quality amazing how a piece of clothing can can spark a conversation right i first heard about saw probably two or three years ago now you know i'd kind of always keep my eyes peeled for for, for interesting brands um with a with a cool story and making good making good products and I can remember the very first item that I purchased from Saw was a pair of speed shorts. Yeah, I, I, I never looked back. I kind of, you know, I put them on and immediately the fit was perfect. The fabric was just what I was looking for. I didn't, I didn't stop wearing them after that. As soon as you put the Saw kit on, you know, you can just feel the material is so different. It's not like any other. Um, it's quite stretchy, it's flexible. It fits really, really well. One of the things I think do very beautifully as a brand is that they cater for different types of runners you know they've got the they've got the elite guy down if you're trying to run a two and a half hour marathon you know you've got the product from Saul they've also got the guy covered who's just running an easy 5k or going running after work with his friends you know like the less elite kit they've got that guy covered and then more recently they've got the trail guy covered as well and there's not many brands I don't think that are covering those three consumers I really see Saw as being sort of for the connoisseur, for somebody who appreciates sort of premium quality running kit. But then it also makes me a little bit sad inside that there's people missing out on this because they haven't realised what a difference it could make. You can tell looking at the product and when you're running it yourself that they've thought about every single last detail and considered every single last thing. It just felt as though what the team were doing at Saw was discerning in a way that that they weren't clearly weren't interested in following any one craze 
And that's hard. That's hard to come by, you know. Everyone in the whole team, they all run. The whole point is design the kit that they they would like themselves for other athletes as well. And it's so fascinating to to meet people who are looking at things differently and who like want to try new things and want to like try out new fabrics and create new fabrics and like see what can be done differently to make a rain jacket that is unlike any rain jacket you've ever used in running or cycling that's like really next level and their new marathon shorts as well i haven't seen any other brand um that's actually implemented a um the gel um pockets in the back of the shorts yeah i think they're absolutely breaking new grounds in that membrane free jacket and i think they've just released a little sort of gilet running vest recently again that's in that same style of fabric where it's just super super light um but still performs and still looks good when you leave the house confident that you're dressed for the conditions and for what you're going to do on your run then it really gives like an extra dimension and it like takes away a big concern the less you think about a piece of kit when you're running in it the better it probably is i believe that design is incredibly important in the production of any product whether it's running gear running shoes design and by design i mean what it's like to use what material it's made from how long it lasts how technically competent it is design is absolutely critical and really anyone making anything ignores design or good design at their peril. I've always loved to race. I think it's one of the greatest things that you can do. I think there's nothing better than than that sensation of feeling so nervous on a start line. And then there's nothing better than than the like the energy that you get when you're racing. Racing holds a very unique position within the world of running. So, you know, if you think about football or tennis, now most people playing tennis in the park probably don't play, you know, don't play five set matches. <laughs> they just go and have a knockabout with their friend. Actually, a lot of people running in the park will have one day lined up on a start line. And that feeling is a, is a mass leveller because I don't believe that Elliot Kipchoge or Mo Farah feel any less nervous than a lot of amateur runners, but I'm sure they still get those butterflies. But still, I'm certain they've still got that element of doubt. I'm certain they, you know, there's that trepidation. There must be, they're only human. And I think that, that whole racing as a, as a you know, as an equaliser is really interesting. So that's why I think it's really important to the brand because racing is a very unique thing to running where the competitive sphere is accessible for so, so many. And nobody ever says to anyone, you're not good enough to race. You're not fast enough to take this seriously. And it ties back into saying, why shouldn't you have great kit? Why shouldn't you be looking for kit that's gonna make you feel faster, go faster and speak to you as a runner more? Because you can do that. We can all do that. We can all pin a number on and race. And it, and it means the same thing to me, to you, to the very best runners in the world or to somebody running their first race. It starts apparently straight down there, just a little bit further down there, about a couple hundred meters down there. Yeah, it's flat, but then, there's, I mean, there's some inclines down at the other end. Nothing really, but, you know, by, by when you're knackered, they're going to feel like... <laughs> when you're knackered, it's going to feel like Alp <laughs> do, you get, do you get nervous before a race? You always do, and I don't know why. Because, you know, as we said earlier, no one's looking. No one cares. You're the only person that cares. So why, why do you get the kind of butterflies? You just do. I think it's very easy to get bogged down in training 
and the training becomes the the the, the focus rather than what the training is for so I think that's a, a common mistake and I've certainly done it in the past you spend your whole time training and then you're you're terrified to actually put it put it down on the line for the race and that's not to say that we've got lots of customers who don't race at all and their running is just as valid as as mine but for me and for a lot of people who like the brand and people who work certainly all the people who work in saw i guess it's where you lay it on the line isn't it you know that you lay it on the line in the way that you can't do in training it feels like my first connection with saw was connecting it with racing well i think that's a place where you can validate your technical claims most easily i'm testing one of our our new super duper sci-fi vests and most definitely there will be um, there'll be some product, I'll have my product developer head on some of the time for sure. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see, so, because I, I really don't know, I haven't raced in it at all, so it's going to be really interesting to see what it feels like. I have to say it looks like, I guess because there haven't been many races, it looks like there's in fact more good runners than I expected. The start is definitely not the favourite bit, no. The end is definitely the favourite bit. <laughs> okay, well, there we go. Go on, Tim, to the finish. Well done, Tim. <laughs> How was that? How was that? The fact it was four well, laps rather than the, the three I expected was uh, that's best 10 time I've run in well, two years of no speed training, just tempo work. And the vest is definitely a thing. It's definitely his product, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's that bit where you say, you know, where we're talking about where you can't look to either side, you can't see what other people are doing. And it's the same when you're in the middle of the race and you've got someone on your shoulder and they're breathing really heavily and they're breaking your concentration and you've just got to ignore that and, you know, focus on your own race. Um, and that's, you know, I think that's true of developing a product or doing running a business or, you know, you just have to stay in your own zone. So, yeah, back to the run.